This is Radio Dad with Mike Austin. Shining the spotlight on dads, stepdads, granddads, all dads. Bye, Daddy. And now, Mike Austin. Back once again with another Radio Dad podcast. Uh, Tell your friends. We're talking good fatherhood. We're talking manliness. We're talking being a good uh, grandfather, uncle, whatever. The man in your kids' lives and raising up good kids. So today I want to talk about living within your means or uh, living off the grid or or being a cheapskate, if you will. I have a, um, by the way, our thanks to our, our fine, fine sponsor. Always peruse them. Go to our website, radiodad.com. Down at the bottom of the page, there you can see a link to berescued.com. Berescued.com is our sponsor, and they are fine. They've been with us for a long, long time, and I do hope that you uh, tell them that you hear about them right here on Radio Dad with Mike Austin. Okay, so uh, today, yeah, we're going to talk... You call it cheapskate. I don't take that as a um, a slap in the face. I'm cheap. Hey, man, if I can get by cheaper than uh, the, the, than I have to, I'm going to do it. And to that end, I'm working on a new Radio Dad uh, YouTube slash, I don't know if we're going to go TikTok or not, but YouTube for sure on our YouTube channel, a series uh, called Cheapskate Dad, in which I will show you, and I started making a list. I was surprised myself of the stuff that... Yeah, I cut corners on um, things like saving old shoelaces when they break, save them. And I, I have an old pile of them in the garage in a box, and I use them to tie things up with. You know, tomatoes, things like that. Um, how to... I cut apart our old lawnmower when we needed a new one. I took it completely apart and used every nut, bolt. I organized it all. I don't throw anything away. Ziploc baggies? No, those are good for a long time. Anyway, so being a cheapskate, I'm going to do a series of videos, and I'm looking for your input, too. What do you do to save money? What do you do to live frugally? And you can be our uh, cheapskate dad of the week or our our frugal bugle, if you will. Uh, So that's that. Our guest today, we're going to be on this whole vein of being more frugal, living within your means, being more self-sufficient, maybe. Tim Meinholtz, my old friend, uh, who lives on a homestead farm, they bought, he and his fine wife, Katie, their kids, they all, uh, they, it's, it, they don't, I mean, he's got a job. He is a public school teacher, Tim is. But they have chickens and eggs and a, one or two cows, I think. A uh, big old garden. Um, I don't know if they do kerosene lamps or not. We'll find out. Anyway, Tim's going to be our guest as well as later in the show, Tim and I both will talk to a guy who he and his wife, for most of their married life, they started in their early 20s, they're now, I think, in their 60s, maybe older, um, they have lived off the grid. And as technology has come along, they've gotten into it to get them more off the grid. Solar panels, wind power, um, a lot of their own gardening. Do they go to the store? Yes, but we're going to find out from John Vasco is going to join us and get his story, and hopefully you'll get a few tips out of that. Living off the grid and a little closer to the edge with uh, being, call it being more frugal, being a cheapskate, self-sufficiency, whatever, we're going to get right into that. And um, we might as well just get started. we got Tim Meinholz uh, with us via Skype from his basement. Hi, Tim, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, Mike. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we would like to talk about living frugally. Is, to put it in a word, uh, more within your means. You know, we're, we're pulled in a lot of ways these days with a lot of things to spend our money on, whether it's the bigger TV. Uh, I know there for a while, 
This was a catalyst for us to completely get rid of our television. Do you know what cable costs? Like if you're going to have the whole package of, you know, channels and stuff? Yeah, I'll be honest. I have no idea. We've, we've never had cable because being on a teacher's salary, I make, uh, you know, yeah, all yeah. about that, that <laughs> much. So it's, it's never been in, in the plan for us. Years ago, and not that many years ago, we had, you know, cable. We figured we needed it. We had young children. We get all the educational shows. And then once they're in bed, I'd look at, you know, the Bigfoot uh, chasing shows or lumberjack shows or whatever. I loved the History Channel. And I liked that I could sit there and get it. We figured we were spending about $200 a month on television. Wow. Television. Yeah. Tie tie in, you know, your internet and your phone and all your other basic necessities. Because aren't those considered basic necessities these days? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, well, what we figured was... All right, let's and and it was scary because okay, we're going to cut the line. Well, we do need the internet for our business, right? Right. And so let's cut the line. The kids had way less of a problem with it than Lisa and I did. Yeah. And but I, as the leader of this family, the Austin family compound, the keeper of the castle, I said, "We're going cold turkey. Let's get this thing out of here." So we cut right. it off. And then came the subscription services. So, you know, we cut the cable, but then we still have internet. And now comes Disney Plus, comes Netflix, comes, you know, whatever. And we had to decide, now, you know what? None of it. None of it. And then we just, if we want to watch a family movie, we pull it up off of uh, YouTube or or someplace like that. You know, when you're cutting, for example, the cable, um, it's just a win-win all the way around. You know, you're going to save some money so you don't have to work as hard. And then... If you don't have a TV sitting around, you're not going to feel the temptation or the need to go sit down and check out. Hey, let's face it. You you can be spending more time with, you know, your kids or, or doing those other things. You know what? You, you, you hit on it there. Almost immediately in losing the television, we sat quietly. Yep. We had more time for discussion and talk. Family game night became a huge thing around here. Yep. And, and it was a good it was a good thing. And that's just one thing. That's just television. Living within your means is is what we're talking about. There's a lot of places that a family can cut. Every family is going to make choices what they want to cut, what they think they need to have. Um, but at the end of the day, figuring out how to live within your means. You know, we live in a society where you just go get another job, you try and get a raise, essentially you make more money. Living within your means means make more money. Hmm. And obviously the, the trap that that entails, yeah. uh, you just become a slave to the, the almighty dollar. And at some point you've got to decide if you're going to let, you know, let it rule you or if you're going to take control of it. In a certain sense, it can be addicting. You, know, oh, yeah. you, have to have, yeah. uh, you have to have money so you can go buy things. We all know when you buy things, you feel better. And so really it comes back to self-esteem. I mean, if you boil it down to that. Yeah, good old pride always gets you, doesn't it? Good old pride. Here's a, a quick comparison, and it's not always a fair one because we do live in different times, but mm-hmm. as somebody who appreciates history, and you'll appreciate this too, I keep thinking back to my grandfather. You know, what I consider as what I need, he would consider a luxury. So it becomes a very difficult conversation with yourself and with your family. What do we really need? And then what do we want? Um, because, again, it's all about putting money where it really needs to go. Yeah. So we uh, we in the in the area of food, that's one of my big ones. Uh, we uh, early on, 
as parents uh, and as, as the keeper of the house here, the head of the house, I'm the head, Lisa's the heart. I said, we need to teach the kids that what we have to eat is what we have to eat. Appreciate yes. it. Yes. We're not running a restaurant. And um, we, there's some kids in the neighborhood here that uh, our kids came in and they said, oh, yeah, they, they, so and so, so they were saying that uh, their mom wanted to know what they wanted to eat. And they were, she was taking all their orders. And we just sent her, looked at each other and said, they're not running a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so true. Hey, here's a quick life lesson that I learned at a young age. I was over um, at my grandparents' house. And, um, you know, they uh, I forget exactly what it was. Uh, I think it was Brussels sprouts or maybe uh, asparagus. Mm. Either which way. It was something that I wasn't necessarily a big fan of. And so I'm kind of poking at it and, you know, really wasn't convinced I was going to eat it. And I'll never forget, my grandpa just kind of looked at me and he said, that's all we have for lunch, so decide if you're going to eat it. And the point was pretty simple. Hey, if you're hungry, you're going to eat it. You know, this, like you say, this is not a restaurant. And um, so to this day, actually, I do like Brussels sprouts. (laughs) But not, not when I was a kid. You, uh, you you forced that one down. You know what? Here's a statistic for you. I just saw today. Around now, this is statistically on average around the world. But I think you know. I mean, obviously, developed countries we are more guilty of this. Uh, obviously, wasted. We waste, throw away, two point four billion pounds of food a year. Yeah. Imagine. And, that. and yet we have starvation all around the world. I mean, think about those numbers for a second. Yeah. You know, we're not going to turn this into, a, you know, a political theory, but right. you, do, right. you do wonder. Living within your means. Tim and Tim Meinholz, and later we're going to be joined by John Vasco. John lives uh, what we would call off the grid. John will explain to us uh, how they do that. I think they do solar and wind, and they raise their own chickens, and I think they have pigs. I don't know. Uh, they live basically on a farm in the hinterlands of Michigan, and uh, it's. Uh, he, I, I think he's kind of one of those old hippies who now, you know, down the line, uh, yeah. they, they've done this. Uh, well, we're going to find out how long he did it. John Vasco will be our, our guest, talking about living within your means and uh, the money that you spend, and then the money you save. You brought up a thing a little while ago. What do you do with that money? You know, there is charity we're all called for for charitable work charitable right. giving so living within your means frees up some of those funds you know right and so again it's it's about reworking your thinking um your lifestyle you know what what is it that you really have to have um and and i'm eager to talk to john because you know i'm kind of starting to look into some of those off the grid options and uh and I'd be curious what he has to say about uh, some of those different things because, well, it can be a little overwhelming to think about, yeah. you know, going down that road. Right. So. Right. As the keeper of the Meinholz Castle, do you sit down? <laughs> do you sit down with Katie and go like, okay, do you budget together? Do you do that to sit down literally at the kitchen table and go through all the the numbers? So something I feel strong about is the fact that there's two of you, which means you have to work together. It's a team effort. If as head of the household, I create a budget and get no input from her, then how would I ever expect her to buy into it? It will always be a um, tense point. And money is a fact in a relationship, and you do not want it to be a uh, an issue. And so you got to get both people talking about it. You know whether 
the woman's a little more money savvy or the guy, whatever. Uh, usually one of them's a little bit more savvy than the other. They both need to sit down. They both need to buy into it. And they both need to have a serious conversation with themselves about, okay, what is a priority? And um, I, again, strongly encourage to get both people sitting down and talking about it. Because how's the budget going to work if one person creates it and the other person is supposed to you know, follow yeah. it. It's yeah. never going to work. Gonna happen. It's not going to happen. We got a kick out of, we were going back to, let me, I'm just going to, we're about ready to wrap this up and we'll go to our next segment with John Vasco, but I, I got to, I just got to bring this up. You'll get a kick out of this. So we got rid of the t- TV and okay. we, we were over visiting uh, Nana and Papa, Lisa's folks who have TV. Uh-huh. She's a huge, uh, I love Lucy fan. The old I Love Lucy show, right? And I dig it from back then. And I thought this would be pretty cool for the kids to see old comedy from the old days and stuff. So we found it online. We found it online, all of the old episodes, and we started watching them. Mm -hmm. And the kids we watched, we gave ourselves 30 minutes a day. We'd watch quote-unquote television, which was off the computer, and it was I Love Lucy. Okay. it, It was so funny. To look at something, now this, you're talking about 1953, 54, Lucille Ball, Ricky Ricardo in an apartment in New York. Okay. He, she stayed home. He would give her an allowance. And it was funny to watch because that's not exactly how we run our house. <laughs> and she would ask him, almost beg him for a couple of dollars for a new hat or something. And then, of course, the whole thing was, well, you don't need a new hat, you know, that that kind of thing. (laughs) It was just just funny. But the other thing I realized, the other thing we found out was our children, who had never heard of Lucy, I love Mm -hmm. Lucy, they laughed hard at that. And the same with when we found Father Knows Best, 1953, 1954. And those old family value... Uh, uh, that's kind of an uh, overused term these days, but they really were. It was, it was a little more wholesome comedy, and it was funny without being vulgar. And that's just a side note, just to say that our young kids thought it was hilarious. It was just good comedy from back then. But uh, so uh, did did you see the episode where she was uh, in the candy factory? Oh yeah, that's a famous one. The kids <laughs> love that, and we watched that oddly enough right around Christmas when a lot of chocolates were out. So we used to reenact that. That you know, here's death. <laughs> I would I would show them and look I'm Lucy I'm shoving in all the candy. That's funny. Uh, Mike Austin here along with Tim Meinholz. We're gonna take a break and come back and talk to a guy who's actually living the dream. He's living off the grid. We're talking solar panels and windmills and I don't know the kids on a treadmill. I don't know what he's doing. We're gonna <laughs> You know, we've talked for years about the Be Rescued, Be Propolis products from BeRescued.com here on Radio Dad. And that's because Be Rescued uses no antibiotics, no chemicals of any kind. That means the products you get from BeRescued.com are 100% pure and natural. But try it for yourself in the new year. From skincare products specially designed for men and women to uh, even toothpaste, you're going to love the Be Propolis products at BeRescued.com. Back once again with the Radio Dad podcast, Mike Austin here, and uh, I've asked Tim Meinholz, my friend from uh, the first segment, and uh, he's been on Red, uh, Radio Dad uh, several times. He's just a good dad and a good friend, so I asked him to stick around uh, because it's time for our next guest and our next segment here on the Radio Dad podcast. So up next is our guest, John Vasco. John, uh, how are you? Can you hear us okay? 
Yes, Mike, I can hear you fine. It's nice to be with you. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, and unfortunately, you won't be able to hear Tim, but Tim can hear you. So, Tim, you can insult John all you want, and he won't be able to hear you. How about that? That's Well... That, uh, that sounds good, if, if I were that kind of guy. No, I know you aren't. I know you aren't. So this might be a little awkward, but we're going to get into this a little bit, because Mr. Vasco, uh, I wanted to ask you, our whole subject here is living within your means, and part of that could be kind of living off the grid. Uh, how far, well, first of all, you have been sort of living this lifestyle for how long? Um, my wife and I uh, started uh, basically with our first house, uh, we built our first house um, when we were about 25, mm-hmm. and we just, uh, you know, started out small, and we just uh, kind of did things ourselves and had a garden and just kind of went from there. And now we're 40 years later, we we have a lot of, um, you know, we've, we've uh, boosted our technology, and we have a lot of um, high-tech uh, equipment, and uh, we just kind of refined our lifestyle uh, try to be try to be as self-sufficient as we can. It's you, you never you know no one is ever totally self-sufficient. No man is an island. You know you you can't completely separate uh, from the system. You can you you can become you know more and more uh, self-sufficient, but but we still depend on the system and. Um, you know, so it, you can do a certain amount, but uh, and as time goes on, you 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 do more and more. But there's, uh, we're still, you know, we still yeah. we're shopping every day, and we we buy buy uh, gas, and go to the grocery store, and everything. So okay, um, Tim, uh, Tim, on my holds, my partner on the on Skype. You know, I just realized if you want to ask a question, Tim, let me know. Okay. Um. So well, so, let let me ask this question. Go then. ahead. What what prompted the motivation to go more off the grid uh, well we, we kind of we wanted to live out in the country we wanted to have a little uh you know kind of like a little homestead uh farm type uh, arrangement and we just uh we the first house we owned we we uh bought 13 acres of ground and we uh built a new house and uh, put up a barn uh equipment barn and uh, started farming we had uh uh, we had some you know, chickens and we had uh, cows. And I think we had like three cows at one time, and um, we didn't have any any independent energy. We didn't have any solar panels or any alternative energy. We we we, we partially heated our house with wood mm-hmm. uh, from the 13 acres, and we lived there for 20 years. And then we moved out here where we are now. We have 80 acres out here. And I initially farmed it for a few years, but now I've uh, leased out 60 acres of it to uh, a, a big farmer who grows hay on it. And we've got 20 acres. We've got basically got about an 18 acre, 16 or 18 acre woodlot where we get all our firewood. And uh, we've got a couple acres around the house that's fenced in. We at one time we had cows. Now we don't. We just got chickens now. Yeah. And yeah. we got big gardens. We got fruit trees. Um, so, but you just had just you and your wife. You basically just, if I hear right, you just had a, a desire to sort of be more self-sufficient. What, uh, not relying on a big power company or because you have electricity, right? Right. We we are we're we're connected to the grid. Okay. Uh, what happened was like twenty years ago when we first moved out here. That's when when uh, really inverters, uh, high technology inverters, started to become available. And uh, we initially, when we first got here, I, I, had, I put in a DC water pump. We have a we have a well, so instead of a regular AC jet pump, I put in a DC 
powered um, um, positive displacement pump, and 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 I had a, a couple batteries, a couple car batteries, huh. and I had just a, a car battery charger, and we ran the pump off of the batteries, and we kept it charged off of the grid. So if there was a power failure, uh, we could still pump water, no okay. problem. And then. Shortly thereafter, I, I, I bought a couple inverters and, and put together a battery bank and bought, I think initially we had two 90-watt solar panels, and then we added two more, and then eight more, and now I think we've got probably 32 or 35 solar 30, panels. 35 solar panels. Now, does that power your whole house then, or do you got wind? You got, what else, what else? You got to maybe get the wife up on a bicycle on a generator? What do you do? You got to... Yeah. Well, we yeah we do have a we have a wind generator. Uh, it's a, a one thousand watt uh, uh, whisper wind generator, and then we have the we have right now we have about um, I think we have about thirty eight hundred watts of solar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, what happens like this time here in the summertime, uh, the house is is run uh, basically from from the sun. Uh, in the wintertime, when it's cloudy, uh, it tends to be here in Michigan, you know, in the late uh, fall through early spring, it's blustery, and and that's when the wind generator does okay. does good. There's there's some some days, some nights when the, in the wintertime when it's you know windy all day and all night long that the wind generator will more than power the house all by itself. But this time of the year, the wind generator, you know, the wind generator really doesn't put out. Tim- we don't really get much power at all from the wind generator. It spins, yeah. but it's really not developing much power. All right. Tim, Tim and I were talking before uh, that maybe you might want to invest in some gerbils and a little tiny spin wheel like a treadmill. I'm thinking that would help out, man. I'm just saying. So philosophically, though, I'm trying to get to this whole living frugally and off the land a little closer to it. I mean, I envisioned out in the hinterlands of Michigan kerosene lamps and chickens and uh, uh, pretty much, you know, kind of a Grizzly Adams thing. But it sounds like I'm a little off base on that. So what, what, where do you find that happy medium? What's your philosophy on this whole living, quote unquote, off the grid? Why? And, and what's the philosophy on that? Actually, uh, you, you mentioned kerosene lanterns. Where we live here, um, basically all of our neighbors are, are probably 90, 80 or 90 percent of the neighbors out here are, are Amish, and they have, you know, they use kerosene lanterns to light oh. their homes at night. Um, and from where, you know, they, their their philosophy is they, that they don't want to be worldly, they don't want to be tied to the system. Um, but it's really, you really get some strange uh, comparisons here, like, in the wintertime, they're burning Middle Eastern kerosene <laughs> to power their lanterns, and we are dependent on the sun. So we are actually, in some ways, we are less worldly than the Amish. Right. It's really amazing when you start to look at some of the, some of the, some of these strange, you know, things that uh, that happen here. They they do they still do a lot of things uh, independent of the grid. Like for example, they have they they use horsepower to farm their ground. Um, and really, uh, uh, horses are an alternative form of energy. They, they, uh, the power for those horses, the fuel for the horses is grown on the Amish farm. They grow oats and they grow corn to feed the horses. That's their fuel. When they need a, when they need a tractor part, they don't go out and buy a John Deere tractor. They go in the barn and they find a little baby replacement tractor right. in the spring. Right. So, so in that sense, they are, they are really, um, 
you know, really uh, independent. They're, they're, you know, almost invulnerable when it comes to growing a crop. But in other ways, they, like I said, with the, the fuel, they, they do burn fuel. Uh, they, uh, the people they do business with, they, they're dependent on people to, uh, you know, do the trucking for them and bringing them their, their grain for the, to feed their animals. So they're, they're, they're in, it's, you know, they're tied to the system a lot. Um, so everything is relative. You know, them, us, uh, the people in the city, everything is relative how dependent you are on the system. And like I said before, nobody is totally independent of the system. It's not possible to be. And the more complex your lifestyle, the harder it is to be self-sufficient. The simpler your lifestyle, the easier it is to be self-sufficient. Okay. Well, you bring up a point there of being uh, self-sufficient and uh, lifestyle. I think uh, part of all this is to be off the grid and to be more self-sufficient is all kind of part of living within your means, meaning it takes less money, I'm assuming, to live your life. And you don't have that pressure to go and earn more, and you, and you write to you know you out out of your bank account to a power company and and you know food and what have you. Is am I getting that right? Is it cheaper to do yeah. what you're doing? Um, it, it is and it isn't. It, it depends how you look at it. Uh, you know, like growing a garden, for example. When you you know, food is and people you know people complain all the time about how food is going up, and it is. But some of your basic stuff, like uh, you know, milk, uh, chicken, meat, uh, eggs. Uh, cheese, the, the stuff that's on the outside, you know, you always hear about this outside aisle, the outside of the grocery store is where your best value is, that's where the, the base commodities tend to be, it's when you go into the interior of the, of the grocery store where your processed foods are, those are, those are, those are the ones that are expensive, like cereal, cereal, uh, you know, a $5 box of cereal is, is, you know, all markup. The right. grain in that cereal is a few cents. But uh, meat and, and uh, milk and eggs were, were real high, uh, you know. So food is still, you know, it's, it's, and there's problems with, you know, the antibiotics and, you know, people, you know, some people want organic. Uh, the food is, um, it's, it's really, it's really still a good value, at least for the base. Yeah. Base That's foods. one thing you get to and control. It's hard, it's, Yes, it's hard to, you know, for someone to produce it themselves. For better or for worse, these big industrial operations—they've got the cost by, by by volume. You know, they do they do huge volumes, and they've got the cost, you know, down low. I mean, to do it yourself, uh, for example, to to uh, to have some eggs. Okay, we have eggs, but those eggs cost us really realistically. The eggs cost us as much as as they do in the store. Maybe okay. maybe a little more. Yeah. Um, because when you, if someone wants to have some chickens, and chickens are great, fresh eggs are great. I think they're better than store bought. But to go out and buy a baby chick, you're going to spend you know two dollars, dollar fifty, two dollars for a baby chick, or, or even a meat bird baby chick is a couple dollars. And you put you know a, a couple dollars worth of feed through them, and then you if you pay to have somebody butcher those, oh, yeah. you know that that 
uh, $5 chicken that you can buy at Walmart is going to be about a $10 or $12 chicken, um, you know, doing it yourself. So in some ways, it, it actually costs more. Um, but it is a guaranteed supply. You know the quality. You know how you know how you, how you raise the animal. It was raised humanely. It wasn't you know packed into a building where it's breathing ammonia fumes for its entire life and pickling itself with ammonia. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. My it, dad it, used it, to it, say it, he liked chicken that their feet touched the ground every now and then. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Tim, Tim had a question. I think you, you wanted to ask something, Tim. Yeah, so what was the biggest barrier to kind of going off the grid? What was the biggest challenge? Well, we, well, we just, I, I, I'm, I'm mechanically inclined, and um, we just kind of learned as we went. When the first house we built, uh, I didn't know anything about building houses. <laughs> we just, uh, uh, we bought some land, and we and I went out, and I uh, thought, okay, I'm going to do this, and if if I get in over my head, I'll just have to hire somebody, but I never got in over my head. Hmm. I, I, we went out, and I, and I subcontracted uh, the basement, and then I, we found back then I was in the, um, it was in the early '80s. The economy wasn't it wasn't in good shape at all, and was, uh, we we hired a uh, out of work uh, crew of apartment uh, uh, carpenters who happened to be a friend of my wife's mother, who was her son, and they came in to put they put the house up. They built the house where you could lock up the doors and close the windows, and I think they charged us like thirty five hundred dollars for labor to put up a two thousand square foot house. Wow! And then I did the siding, and I did the roof and I, we had a neighbor who was an electrician and I helped him do the wiring he charged me $500 to wire the whole house uh, very you know very inexpensive uh, you really can keep the cost down and um, and you know and then so you just kind of learn as you go now as far as I didn't know anything about uh, electricity when I was working with my neighbor, and he he had me doing the the hard stuff like pulling the wires and uh, you know setting the boxes, and he did all the technical stuff, actually hooking up the wires and the layout. Right. But I watched him and I learned. And, and and when you're doing this, if you are part of the process, you and if you pay attention, and if you're interested, you can learn how to do this stuff. And I and basically later, you know, years later, I've put in this this solar system and wind system inverters and you know I, I hooked everything up I did the, the wiring the batteries and I'm, I'm not a licensed electrician but I feel fully competent um, as you know as an electrician as far as house wiring I, I'm, I have no uh, qualms about doing any, anything as far as wiring same thing with plumbing yeah. I, I, I did the plumbing and, and you just learn as you go but, uh, but I had the time to do it yeah. so, my wife had a full time job I had kind of an intermittent job and, and, and it worked well, so, so John, we're going to wrap this up because we're running short on time. I, I have one more thing just really quick though, to ask, um, and, okay. uh, and we'll cut you loose. And that is, what advice would you give to, a uh, say, a Catholic dad who is thinking of being a little more off, so like we've called it, off the grid, kind of encompasses a lot of things here, but what, what kind of advice would you give him? Uh, well, just be willing to, to try something new um, and just try to learn as you go. Try to yeah, another big thing is to try to stay out of debt as much as possible. Um, uh, one thing you can do that that will definitely give you the funds for for some of these projects is, is like for, for for us not at my, at my age. We when we were younger, we bought new cars. Well, we haven't bought a new car in thirty years. All of our cars have been used cars. We find good used cars on eBay. I work on them, 
and they're, they're perfectly acceptable cars. They, they get the job done. The insurance is lower on them, and you save a, a, you know, a lot of money by not having those finance charges. And, and the money that you save monthly uh, from a finance charge, you can, you can buy uh, you know, uh, equipment for your home that's all, uh, energy efficient. Like uh, you can go in one, you know, one month's payment on a, on a car, you could buy a complete set of LED lights for your house, which is just going to be a payback, right, you know, right away. You start, right. you know, immediate payback. You can get energy efficient refrigerators, energy efficient washing machines, cut your consumption, uh, limit your debt, and, and try to do things yourself. It as much as possible. Yeah, and, and it, that would be my suggestion. You know, and over time, that over time, it makes a difference. It doesn't it does happen in six months, but but over five years, ten years, twenty years, yeah. you start living that lifestyle, and it just becomes normal. And you and you know, mm -hmm. uh, it's it, it, it's real easy to do as time goes on. Great, Thank you. Mr. Vasco, we're going to cut you loose, and ultimately, this all frees you up. Your mind it frees you up. Uh, you don't you don't worry so much about earning that almighty dollar. And uh, I'm sure you have to go and charge a solar panel or something now, don't you? Or what do you do? You gotta... Yeah, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure something to do here. Yeah, milk a chicken or something. I don't know what you do. What with the chickens? You gotta, you gotta get some eggs, probably. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> John, have a great night. Thank you, buddy. Okay, Michael and Tim, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And with that, we're going to wrap up the Radio Dad podcast this time around. Uh, Tim Meinhold, so my good friend, and just kind of jumped in here just because I just figured I'd get another voice on and stuff. If you'd like to be a guest or if you know someone you'd like to have uh, on the Radio Dad podcast, get something to contribute to fatherhood, being a good family man, uh, whether single dad, divorced dad, married dad, and a solid good family, maybe a, a dad who's... Um, Maybe somebody wants to be a dad. I don't know. Just uh, we're all about dads and uncles and grandfathers and manliness. All right. Uh, Tim, I appreciate it. I'm going to cut you loose, pal, and we'll talk next time maybe. We'll have you on again sometime real soon. Sounds good. All right. Uh, and the Radio Dad podcast, of course, sponsored by our friends at BeRescued.com. Go visit them, and you can always tell your friends about RadioDad.com. We'll see you next time on the Radio Dad podcast. Mike Austin here. Uh, be dadly. <laughs>